Welcome to the Sam Dean Podcast, sponsored by Van Zant Coffee, where we discuss life, uncensored. Hope you enjoy it. All right, welcome to my first podcast. Been wanting to do this for a long time, and I know it's super cliche to have a podcast these days with the popularity of, of, of podcasts out there, but I want to interview a lot of people, and I want to just mainly just learn new stuff. So, hope you enjoy it, and if you don't, I don't care. So, I'm joined today by Dan Morrow, uh, one of my best friends, super knowledgeable guy. Uh, he owns Morrow Construction, and he's also a badass musician. Uh, he hikes mountains and um, plays in the church band. He does all kinds of things, but Dan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Yeah. Th- thanks for all your help. Dan's, he's musically inclined. He, he helped set up all of my podcasts, um, you know, microphones and drivers and everything. I have really no clue about. I'm a, you know, I've never been really high tech on anything um, as far as music goes. I've always played a guitar just straight through an amp. The only distortion pedal I ever had was a, a Boss Super Distortion that I would hit. And I would, you know, originally thought when I was in junior high that when I hit the distortion pedal, that was the, cor- I hit that for the chorus. Because <laughs> I, I wanted it louder. Sure, yeah. I didn't really know anything. Uh, but you, when's the first time you played guitar? Um, I'm going to say when I was about probably 10 years old. Dad brought home a pawn shop guitar. It's like, hey, you know, you need to learn this, and uh, started showing me a little bit. What kind was it? Um, I think he, the first guitar he brought me home was a PV Predator, and it might not even been from a pawn shop. He might have bought it at Mont Music. It was just a cheap PV yeah. <laughs> electric guitar, man. You know, it was red. Yeah. Um. It was uh, it was a, you know, it was fun. It was a cool guitar. Mm-hmm. So my mom bought. Luke and I, my brother, a went to Munt Music and Tyler, and somebody, uh, Miss Sanders, Jean Sanders was our first guitar teacher, and she lived over there by the airport where we, we used to live, by Country Club, and I guess somebody told her, buy a Spanish guitar. Yeah, so, yeah, with so, catgut strings on yeah, it, yeah. Yeah, like yeah. nylon strings, and, and uh, so she bought this Spanish guitar for Luke and I, and we had to share it. And we each took lessons, and I remember the the, uh, you know, obviously not knowing anything, but I could play. I could, I could. Luke got pissed off at me. I remember because I would, I would take it and I would play each string into like a little beat. It would be like So I made a song with no hand, right. you know, just just plucking it and. uh I always kind of had that I could I could do the beats my my rhythm is there you know uh and <laughs> <laughs> I don't know it, what what was your first I mean wh- how did you how did you just first what did you do when you first picked it up I mean what I start, I mean the same thing I started just playing each little string I wanted to learn a chord though like before anything I wanted to learn something you know I'd been around it long enough to know that hey I want I want to play like my dad cuz my dad sat in the living room and play guitar every day as long as I can remember. 
Mm-hmm. There was a guitar laying on the couch or laying somewhere in the house at all times, and my dad could pick it up, make it sound beautiful. So I wanted to do that. Yeah. So I had a preconceived idea of what I wanted to sound like. Mm-hmm. Of course, that took forever to ever even get close to fulfilling. Yeah. Because dad was an incredible musician. Yeah. But I guess when I first started making music, he uh, he showed me the guitar ref to um, – um, what is that? MTV by Dire Straits. Yeah. I want my MTV. Yeah. That song right there. That was the first really cool guitar riff or lick that I learned that I felt like, all right. Got to move these yeah. refrigerators. Got to move. Color TV. Yeah, that's, that's it. That's it. The little faggot money. with the earring and the makeup. Yeah. Money for nothing. Yeah. It, Golly. That's good music, you know, and um, I, I when I heard that, I was just awestruck. And then to see that I would, I could be able to play that with just a little bit yeah, of practice. Like, yeah, that's it. That's it. Okay, so I go to take some lessons from Gene Sanders, and we're reading out of a book. I think my mom bought it. Was book. it a Mel Bay book? Yep, it's a Mel Bay. Mel Bay, man. And, that, uh, yeah. Um, there's a. I remember this. She she played. She she we sat at her piano, and she would play the notes on the piano, and she would you know taught me how to tune it and stuff. And then she she would um, there's a song called Blackbird, and it's like uh, or Bluebird. Uh, there's a bluebird in the spring beneath <laughs> the willow tree. And uh, anyway, that's it's also Love Me Tender by Elvis. Yeah, yeah. But she goes, you know, you might know this also from Elvis. Love me to know. And uh, I thought it was okay. But, like, I wanted to learn Guns N' Roses and Metallica. Sure. So, you know, Luke, we didn't, we, we eventually quit. And it sat there for a while. And then uh, I joined the Boy Scouts. I started going to Boy Scouts. And this man named Steve Jennings, who was, when I joined, he was already 18. So he was assistant scoutmaster. But he was in the band, and this dude could just, just he could play Metallica, and Guns N' Roses, and everything. And he taught me how to play Patience mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And once I heard him play the songs that I listen to all the time, man, I was just, I was hooked. I think that's the key, though, to like, yeah. if you really want to be a musician, you've got to, somebody's got to introduce you to something you love to get you hooked on the, on the, yeah process you know otherwise it's just no fun right like if someone was to teach me classical guitar i would have not stuck with it because i mean i respect it and i like Mm -hmm. it but that's not what i wanted to play you know you have to yeah you have to have a a desire to you know be a rock star or whatever you know whatever you dream about you know i want to be axel rose like right yeah yeah. and uh i was i just watched the videos from a kid and and I remember the first time I heard Guns N' Roses, Patrick Spruill, who will be on the podcast here in the future, uh, we were in the Dairy Palace drive through and I was in the back of a Suburban, and I had to have been George's age, I had to have been six or seven years old, and he gave me half of his Walkman earbud, the other earbud. <laughs> I put it in, and it was, it was You Could Be Mine. So this, this, this was like in 1991, and uh, right when this thing came out, and Use Your Illusion 2, and... Uh, and I remember 
the intro, you know, and I was blown away. I was like, when is he going to start singing? I remember I took it out and I said, Patrick, when's he going to start singing? Because I didn't ever, I've never heard a song with that long of an intro. It was always like three minute George Strait songs. Very predictable. Yeah. Just boom. Here's two, the two, two bar, bar yeah. intro. Fucking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> two bar intro. And then it's like, you know, give me a bottle of your very right. Yeah. Um, but when I heard the intro, I was like, well, this is like theater now. This is like a. It's a product. It, it, it's yeah. like a motion, and it's yeah. All these things that it's a movie. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it's it, it's a. And this guy, these guys are you know when they made those albums, Guns and Roses, you know. You know, I remember my dad coming and watching, seeing me watch like a Guns N' Roses concert on TV, and he's like, I think he said those louses. He's like, those, you know, drug drug heads, you know, which they, yeah, they were for sure. But they made incredible, incredible music, and that, and that goes. You can put any band that you like. That it, you know, if you're into them, like anybody that's in, made it or whatever has it just, just incredible people, incredible talents that can make a a production like a, you know, something like those songs like November Rain, You Could Be Mine, the intros, and having that build up that's so beautiful, and then the the words and have it all make sense and then then sell millions and millions of records it's just it couldn't i just couldn't believe it and when i heard it for the first time i was man i was i wanted to hear everything they've ever done after that oh yeah yeah and then i wanted to be able to play it on my guitar so you know i could be cool too and then maybe girls would like me right yeah (laughs) so (laughs) all right so take me back What's the first song beside Money for Nothing? What what do you go on to do there? Um after that music transitioned hard. Um my parents were they they had gotten into hardcore religious, you know, my dad decided he wanted to be a pastor. So music transitioned from that Money for Nothing to church. Mhm. So the guitar was put to the side, and the church needed a drummer. So my dad was like, hey, you need to learn to play drums. So that's that's where my focus went. So I started learning to play drums. We didn't have a drum set. My dad, in the process of his music endeavors, had bought a Boss DR-10 Dr. Rhythm drum machine. And on the bottom of it, it had, like, drum pads. And so when you hit them, of course, it would trigger a cymbal. So I started, while he was practicing, I started getting on that DR-10 and just playing beats with him mm-hmm. as he was playing music, whatever it may be. And one day he had that idea. He's like, holy crap, why don't we just bring this to church and you can play it while we... And I'm like, <laughs> I was a kid, you know, I didn't know anything. I was like, sure, let's do it. So I did that for, man, probably a year. So you played a drum machine. I played a drum machine in live church with a live band. Um, but the DR-10 didn't have... It had a bass, a snare... A hi hat, a cymbal. So it had buttons for the sounds. Right, yeah. It didn't have any toms, and it. Yeah. I mean, it was very, very just basic. So uh, I, I wore the buttons completely out of it. It really wasn't designed for that. Those buttons were there to trigger it, you know, in the programming mode. But you could play it. Mm-hmm. Wore all the buttons completely out, and it got to where it wouldn't trigger. So Dad was like, "Well, we got to go do something different." 
We went to Guitar Center, mm-hmm. and we found an Alesis drum machine that had toms. I mean, and it was touch sensitive. Like if you hit it light, yeah, it it was you you could make dynamic music with it. Okay, and that's what that's what I started playing then. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's uh let's play a couple of those. So. All right. Let me let me show you kind of what the first thing I would play on the guitar. Yeah, let's hear it. Let's so, that. Like, this is what this Luke off, and I would play this. I remember it. I would just go like. Luke would get so pissed, huh? Uh, let, I bet I could figure it out. Uh, hold on, let me set the mic down here. If we can get a, uh, a capture of this, something. You know, first something. podcast, man. I think it's going. Uh, it's going yeah. pretty well. So something like uh, this. It was, it was like. Whoop! No. Yeah. a lot of time that you yeah. dedicate to working on on that yeah no doubt that's that's pretty complicated for your first thing you know like that. yeah I, of course I, I learned a couple of open chords and i, I yeah. would bang around and and you know whatever I, our family was musical so mm-hmm. family reunions it was music yeah. um, when we go over to my dad's dad it was music like they had a band pa set up all the time and we would just sit there as kids and just be bored to death listening to them. Yeah, my, so my parents didn't, they weren't musical other than they listened to music all the time. You know, dad would listen to like country tapes and uh, my mom had Tina Turner <laughs> tape <laughs> and uh, the, co- the cocktail, the movie Cocktail with oh, Tom yeah, Cruise, that yeah. soundtrack. And I love that cr- that crap now like yeah, I, yeah. you know all those i love tina turner i love beach boys and all of those things um but whenever we when i was playing guitar when i started learning from steve and then i could play some songs then every get together my parents would have or whatever it was like sam get your guitar yeah get your guitar and play you know hey play that play that song and you know i had all the i had the songs and uh but I remember, I remember getting so angry when I would start playing and people would just be talking. <laughs> and, you know, like, I didn't really want to perform for people. I, I did. Like, I love the idea of performing and being admired, you know, and, 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 like, people listening. Because I admire live music, like, so much. I, live music is the best for me. I, nothing excites me like that. But... I remember, like, you know, someone asking me, like, hey, play a song for us. And then they immediately start talking, like, when I start, you know. And I'm young and just terrified, you know. (laughs) And, like, I'm going out, like, for a young boy to sing, like, it wasn't playing. You could play all day. But whenever you started singing, now you're being judged, right. And, like, it's terrifying for 
it's like public speaking, you know, and which have com- supreme comfort now compared to where I was when I began. But so there was an open mic night, that my first my first public performance. Uh, there was this what was that restaurant? Uh, it's where um, Canton Cafe was that just closed down where the Mexican pe- Robles. Where, where Robles was. Used to be, yeah. They're on the it's on the corner of yeah. Highway 19 and 64 where they have like all the like crazy colored uh, metal. Yeah, all, that, all yeah. that art. Yeah, well, that's, another, that that's another. Yeah, another, <laughs> that's for another <laughs> podcast. But uh, <laughs> it was like this guy opened up this. It was like a Texas Roadhouse mm-hmm. before Texas Roadhouse. Of course, there wasn't any beer in there either because uh, it's just Canton, Texas. But you could, I remember you could eat peanuts and throw them on the floor and that was a big deal like, oh yeah that was like rebellious just behavior like, hey, just throw these peanuts shells yeah, on the floor. straight rebellious behavior so anyway they had an open mic i had at this point my my parents had gotten me a samic from oh <laughs> from old daily from from guitars etc samic was the best guitar <laughs> made if you ask <laughs> daily like it, all guitars it's, are samic korean a korean <laughs> fender knockoff yeah uh but it was red and of course, I, somewhere I got some stickers. I had some flames on it, some decals, and uh, <laughs> it's an open mic. And I can't remember what I played. It's probably this next song I'm about to play right now, but it, from Nirvana. But I remember playing. I remember, you know, my brothers there, my mom and dad are there, and, and John John David Crow's there, and uh, I was so terrified. I, and I, I'm sure you couldn't hear me at all. Uh, but I remember, <laughs> I remember a couple of, a couple of people my age. After getting off, goes, well, you you played well, but you you suck at singing. Like your your singing sucks. <laughs> I, was, I was like, oh well, thanks, man. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, nothing better to hear than you like your singing sucks, and the first time you ever play publicly. Um, oh man. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I remember being up there, and. You know, I, I'm a, I sweat kind of a lot still to this day, but my arm, I remember my armpits. I remember sweat running, running down the guitar. Running down the guitar. And, uh, you know, me just, I just wanted to be good. And, and, you know, there's people up there that were way better, but, you know, their music sucked to me. You know, I was trying to play the good stuff. But anyway, so Steve taught me this song. It, it's a song called uh, About a Girl. And it's Nirvana. Yeah, that's one of the, that was one of the, I guess songs of our era that changed, yeah. like changed my taste in music. Mm-hmm. Oh man, it's a, it's a, and it's such a simple. It's simple. It's man. a simple That's dumb why song, but it's so yeah. good. It's good, and it, you know, I first heard it off the unplugged MTV unplugged yeah. in New York City. Now I had it on tape, and so one Christmas, Luke and I, parents, like one Christmas, all we wanted was music, so we had Columbia House, right? And uh, anyway, I can't remember, but Luke's like, Luke was already ahead of his, you know, ahead of me. He was like, I'm going to just get CDs. Well, mom said, well, you can get five CDs or you can get 10 tapes. So I got 10 (laughs) tapes. He's an idiot because, you know, like you couldn't listen to him very long. I eventually had to get CDs. But uh, the Unplugged album, which, you know, I had the acoustic guitar and I heard this song. But I'm going to play it real quick. Now. There's still a lot of songs that I've played all over the years that I still haven't like researched the words. Like I feel like like a Japanese guy singing American karaoke sometimes. Right, Just, yeah. I know I know the sounds of the words, 
So if you're listening to this and you have a issue with me on my on my words, then you know, make a comment or write to me or something and just tell me what they are. Of course, I could go look at them r- right now, but I'd rather just play it. So I'm going to play about a girl. I'd rather hear it the way you think it is anyway. The, like, yeah. That's more, and, and it's, yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's like you you thought they were saying that. <laughs> oh, no, no doubt. No doubt. That, that, that's funny because that, that happens so often too, you yeah. know. Yeah, so here, here All right, let, let's hear it. So this is the first bar chords I ever learned. This is like a C sharp. Hey, bar chords were, were the hardest yeah. crap. I mean, it was like a milestone in guitar playing as a kid. Yeah, so here we go. I'll take it any while. solos I've ever known it's so easy and I just I've just never been into playing solos even though I want to so bad but Steve taught me this one play it again sex man then it goes back here I'm taking Big, huge Guns N' Roses fan, but I knew this song by heart, so it was easy for me to pick up. Once I learned the chords, and Steve was teaching me this, so... That's not a track. That's actually Sam whistling there, guys. That's that's really good whistling. Take it slow Think 
so I, I, I kind of, I have a memory of this. And like my grandpa taught me how to whistle, I think, and Daddy Bill. And I remember playing this for my grandmother. Mom, we called her Mom Beam, but like shortly before she died, I remember. Oh. I remember playing that, and uh, I remember she started crying when I was playing it to her. And uh, yeah, it was a touching, uh, sad time. But uh, I was in the, I was in where Dean White's law office is. I was in that building. It, was, it used to be a bed and breakfast for, for my mom, and I used to. I was playing it for her there. But as just a little kid, like, well, you know, Grandma, this is a little band called Guns N' Roses from Los Angeles. <laughs> but anyway, let's get to the good spot. That's such good music, you know. I never could play that outro, but Travis Norman could play that outro. That's, that's good music. So I can never that's good, but of course it was way worse when I played it at that open mic night and got off stage and Yeah, but sometimes um uh, just having the balls <coughs> to do it. That's that's the first step. You know, having the balls to do it initiates something in your mind. Even yeah. when the guy said, hey, you, you know, you, you, your vocals are terrible. You didn't quit. Right. You didn't quit. Fear, fear you know, and I, I learned this from Tony Blower. He, he told me, he told me the, uh, Tony Blower is a self-defense expert. I used to work for a little bit with CrossFit. He says, fear governs everything in your life. Who you marry. Meaning, like, if you don't have the balls to ask her out, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> if if you never have the courage. Yeah, no, no doubt, man. You know, think about that. Oh, shit. And if you're not married, or if you, you know, you could have been married to somebody else, maybe. Your first love, or, or whatever. You could not be that, married not to somebody that, that's... Not that we want that. Straight up amazing, if you're not married now... Just because of fear of you didn't even approach Just having it. the courage, yeah. right? Yeah. Just like, yeah. what if, you know, of course, I'm not a professional. Well, I guess I am a professional musician, depending on who you ask. But <laughs> I have been paid. But, uh, <laughs> you know, like, you take Guns N' Roses or any band, you know, what if they never had the courage to sing in front of somebody? And, and I promise you, they sang in front of people that said, you guys suck. Oh, yeah. I promise you they did. Right. Like, it, it, yeah. it's just human nature. Yeah. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah. And it does take 
balls. I mean, it, it, or you know, if you're a lady, whatever that you, you guys have ovaries, I guess. <laughs> it. Which are kind of balls too? If they're around. They're they're around. Yeah. But you know, like it, it's hard to sing in front of people. It's hard to talk. You know, I heard like public speaking is people are way more afraid of that than like snakes or death or mm-hmm. you know, the fear of public speaking is a big deal. And I remember, man, that, it used for me that used to be hell you know when i have to get in front of class or whatever and of course you you do it the more you do it the more you get conditioned the more you play in front of people yeah all right so you had the drum machine you got the new one from uh guitar center and you're playing it at church yeah i did that for uh, a couple years and then dad's like i've had enough we got to get you a set of drums so dad went and took a loan out how many times did somebody come to you and be like, what do you mean you're playing drums on a pad? Oh, uh, every every Sunday, someone would come up to me and go, what are you doing? Yeah. And I would show them the drum machine, and they're like, there's no way. There's no way you're doing that. I was like, yeah, no, I'm 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 playing. And I would sit there and play it in front of them. They're like, holy crap. You know, I, didn't, I didn't even think something like that was possible. Yeah, it, it sounds crazy. It, it, it is crazy. But it's people do that. I yeah, mean, oh, yeah, Justin yeah. Timberlake yeah. does that with the – drum machine and and how most rap like dr dre makes beats like that in the studio they don't play an actual set they they play a machine which i need to get one of those oh they're great Uh, um little did i know it was a great education because now you know when i'm in in my studio working on music i can grab the drum machine and i can lay it down with the pads and have you know have a good indication of what i want or a good idea of what i want and um, hell, I might not have been able to do that if I hadn't have been playing on that old DR10 in church. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's <laughs> I guess it is awesome. At the time, I thought, you know, man, this is this is dumb. I would even get insecure about it. I'd be like, someone's going to make fun of me for doing this. For playing a little pad. Yeah, for playing. That. But and people did. Mm-hmm. But most people were intrigued and were like, "Holy crap!" You know, that's awesome. Yeah. I remember, you know, I was in the high school band. I when I was in junior high, you know, everybody was in the band. I played drums, me and Corley Ragel and uh, Lance Byers, Angelina Hernandez. I'm trying to remember everybody in the drum and the percussion. Uh, Dusty was in there. Dusty Davis was with me. But, you know, when it got to high school, now you're like a nerd, right? Oh, yeah. And, uh, and yeah. I knew we were going to, we were supposed to go to Ireland. So we've been working to like raise money for this Ireland trip. The band, high school band was going to Ireland. So I was like, all right, I'm going to go with that. So I stayed in it my freshman year. But I remember like, I remember Luke telling me one time, he's like, man, I don't know if you want to be in the band or if you don't, but you know, just kind of people are a little different, you know, and he, <laughs> had the same conversation with him with the military like he was like you know you don't be one of those military guys like those guys are different you know like because there's you know those movies of those military guys going crazy or like the, the father was like a ex-marine and he like was that a yeah just psycho movies but anyway but yeah he, you know and it's like what instrument do you play you don't really want to everybody wants to well, the most popular thing would be the singer and the guitar player. Right? That's the most badass th- stuff. Drummer's cool also, but 
you know, you're sitting in the back. The bass player, though, is the worst. Nobody wants to be the bass player. But it's also the cool, you know, in a way it's the coolest, you know? Yeah, it's a, it's such a c- critical role of making a great band. Like the bass player adds so much um, and, and gets so little recognition. And I think is like the, what, why that is because, you know, if you're a guitar player and a singer, you can play without the band. But you can't just go out and play a bass. Exactly. Well, you can, very you, few people can. Yeah, you can. There are bass players that can play solo and make it sound like they're playing with a band. Right. But that's few and far between. Yeah. But you're right. You can't carry a bass to a campfire right. uh, and do a sing-along. Like, yeah. But, get, but you know, with my expertise thus far on guitar, all I play is chords. So, really, I'm playing a bass part. Yeah. I'm playing a rhythm part. So... It, you could, but you can't. You can't lug a drum set out there and nah. play drum. Be like, hey, listen to this new song. You're like, hey, no, no, play uh, Hotel California. And you're like, okay, and you just play it on drums. Nobody knows what the hell you're doing. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, badass beat, man. So like, that's, yeah. So those guys are the special people that like somebody's like, man, I'm gonna play the bass, you know. But you got like, you know, I think of Gene Simmons, Paul McCartney. Duff McKagan. I, I, I want to talk about this, speaking of all that. So there, there's a certain, like, if you graphed it out, there's a chart where you're a, you're a band nerd. You're a nerd, you're a nerd, you're a nerd, and you're, you're following the nerd path. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, your skill gets good enough. Someone recognizes that skill, and all of a sudden, you go <laughs> instantly from nerd <laughs> to badass. <laughs> <laughs> That's the great, like, yeah. mystery to me. Yes. Why? Yeah. You know, why is that well, the case? Yeah. Yeah, I, and what is it, you know? What uh, is the magic thing that decides one day I'm a nerd, all of a sudden someone recognizes a song they love that I just played on yeah. an instrument, and they're like... Sexy, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, no doubt. You know, I met Ashley the first night I met her. Don't you think I was I was at Chase Melton? I was at Virgil Melton's house, and Chase had a party, and I was over there. Of course, I whipped the guitar out, and I was playing everything. I saw her, man, I was... I would and I put on probably the performance of my life, you know. Yeah, like yeah. to this day, you know, hit every note, just probably was sweating, just I was like James Brown probably trying to perform and uh, and then speaking of fear, man, it took two weeks because somewhere I heard like don't or was it two days or two weeks I heard two something, I can't remember. Two weeks or two days. Then I called her. I didn't want to call her immediately because I didn't want to think I was a freak. Right? Yeah, yeah. I don't think I was desperate. I think it was two days. It it could have been two weeks. But I heard somewhere it was you should either wait two days or two. Some idiot friend of mine told me that, you know, or something. I don't know. Yeah, he was trying to beat you. <laughs> yeah. He was trying to get in. Oh, He's like, oh pe- I, get, I told him two weeks. Oh, I got, I got no a little doubt. time. People were, for sure. <laughs> Man, yeah. You had friends, so-called friends that would try to get them. But... Anyway, yeah, anyway. <laughs> That's funny, man. Uh, so when did you start playing with, with Christy, when, your sister? So at the time I, I got the drum machine stuff, I was about 11 years old. And at the same time, the band at church, my dad was 
had become leader of, they were needing a um, keyboard or a piano player. Mm-hmm. And dad's like, and Christy had been doing piano lessons forever. They had put her in piano lessons since she was probably like in the fourth grade. And so if I was 11, that made her nine. Uh, probably when she was 10, dad said, hey, you need to come play at the church. So he went out and he took a loan out and bought her this badass. She wanted a horse. Like that's all she'd ever talked about is wanting a horse and ride a horse. Yeah. <laughs> and my dad's like, no, you're getting a keyboard. So he bought her this this badass keyboard and took it home and she started playing on it. And then her and I decided we would, you know, start playing. I would play beats. She would play uh, the keyboard to the beats and we would mm-hmm. make music. And we did that probably when I was about, you know, 12 and she was 10, somewhere, somewhere in that era, thir- 13 and 11. And then um, we just, we just continued on um, playing in church. And then our parents, of course, moved us, from from Canton up to uh, Ramo when when I was uh, fifteen, she would she would have been thirteen, um, and we decided we wanted to continue music. Well, we went to a big church there, like huge church. So <clears throat> we decided we wanted to try out. They had open tryouts for the Rama Youth Band, and the youth at that time was, I don't know, like between sixteen and sixteen hundred and two thousand kids, mm-hmm. somewhere there. So tryouts was like a, I mean, we had to sit out and wait forever. And I actually tried out for drums, and she tried out for piano. Of course, I'd been playing the guitar all along, kind of in the on the backstage. And um, we sat in line forever to try out. And they called us in, and uh, the guy, like, said, get on the drums. And, dude, Sam, I played literally four beats. The guy's like, all right, that's enough. I'm like, God, the dude didn't even hear me play. You know, I mm-hmm. like... I'm not even getting a fair shake. And he's like, do you play anything else? I was like, well, I play play guitar. And he goes, can you play electric guitar? And I was like, uh, yeah. Um, he's like, well, here. He handed me an electric guitar, and he, and he said, play something. So I played a Boston uh, guitar riff. And he's like, and we're in a Christian, like, uber-religious setting. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, my gosh, he's not. I, I didn't even think because I just I played something. Out of, I was scared to death. Mm-hmm. I was nervous. And he's like, play that, play it. And I played that Boston tune. I was like, oh, my gosh, he's going to hate it because it's not Christian. And he's like, oh, my God, yes, that is it. That is it. And it, it, this is this is what it was. It was, um, let's see. Up this morning. Yeah, that that was it. So Sunday, <laughs> I close my eyes. Uh, yeah, his name was Rick Salonen. Beautiful. And he was like, "You, that was amazing. We'll we'll let you know. We'll let you know." Yeah. Me and my sister left there in shambles. You know, we're these two little homeschool nerds. We are the ultimate nerds at the time. We yeah. we'd been going to this youth group. No one even looked at us. Like we would walk in there as stiff as boards, and we would sit at the back and just complete anguish and disgust because uh, our parents made us go and no, and no one would even talked to us i get a call <laughs> at my parents house rick he's like hey good i got good news you and your sister man y'all both made it we got rehearsal the next tuesday night and yeah. we were like holy shit yeah <laughs> 
And this and this is for a praise and worship team. It's a praise and worship band for the church at a youth group. At a youth group. Yes. Unpaid. Unpaid. Completely like volunteer like. And you guys are because this is this means you're po- going to be in front of like, other kids and people. We're going to be in front of a captive audience of about eighteen hundred kids. Golly, eighteen hundred! Wow. Yeah, like. Uh, you're talking uh, about a mega church. It's you're a ta- mega church. You're, ta- yeah, yeah, you're yeah, talking yeah, about yeah. like a Joel Olstein. It was the mega church of the. It was Kenneth Hagen Ministries okay. in their heyday. Like, on top of the church, like this bazillion dollar church, they had a spinning faith shield that spun twenty four hours a day that just sucked juice. Like it was. Hold on, like a a shield. Like, it was a shield. Like Captain America yeah, shield. Yeah, it said it said uh, f- uh, faith or it was faith. Yeah, yeah, it was faith, and it was shaped in the shield. And it was huge, like, on top of this mega church, and it spun, like, continuously, forever. <laughs> <laughs> and it was the church broadcast, like, on TV yeah. and all those things. Yeah. yeah. So, so in the mean, wh- during the time of all this, the, the youth group has grown so much. We were in the old facilities, and they were building a brand new youth group room for us. And they just finished it. Like, as soon as Christy and I made the band, our first rehearsal was in the old band room but then we moved to the new one and you walked upstairs and it was just this like you see on tv it was like a arcade mm-hmm. kids everywhere uh with a big snack bar a full everything and then you walked into the auditorium and it was this big sanctuary it was it was called flight crew and it had like murals painted on the wall it was a black ceiling it was really trendy at the time you know just yeah badass drum cage huge stage top of the line Stereo like a rock lights. Club. Yeah, it had lights. Every, yeah. It was a rock club. Yeah. For, for Christian kids. Yeah. And uh so we, we started uh we started practicing and the youth band itself got to perform one Wednesday night a month, basically. And uh, our first Wednesday night we got up there and I could see the look in all these our peers' eyes of mm-hmm. wait, those kids? Yeah. We were instantly instantly People were, I, I mean, wanting to be our friends. Yeah, you're, you're signing autographs. Yeah, yeah, it was a, it was instantaneous f- yeah. fame. I, I mean, we went from no one talking to us other than like a couple of, you know, other nerds mm-hmm. to Katie bar the door, everyone. <laughs> they wanted, you know, they wanted to touch our guitar. They wanted to yeah. like hang out and, you know, it, it, was, <laughs> it was, it was crazy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was wild. It was ridiculous, you know. But you guys are super talented. If you didn't know, uh, Dan plays with his sister Christy, and they've got a group called Brother Sister. And then a few years ago, I joined the group as like a as an as an invite, and we and we changed it to Brother Sister Friend. And once this coronavirus shit gets over with, we're gonna we're gonna get back we're at gonna it. Get back at it, and we play things, you know. Badass venues like the Wine Down, uh, Three Peas in a Vine, weddings, etc. But uh, you know, it's, we it's we might even get back in the Moore Store and the Forge. Yeah, Moore. You know? We've played Moore Store. Yeah. We've never played Forge though. Not as brother sister friend. Me and you. Yeah. Oh yeah, we, you've we you've played, played brother sisters played. Yeah, we had a residency there for a while on Sundays. But you and I played open mic there one night. Yeah, and completely killed it. Yeah, I mean, we destroyed people, it. Like we melted faces. People were trying to get us <laughs> razorback pizzas and 
you know, whatever you eat at the more or at the, the, the forge. I do want to have like a. I would. My dream kind of is like have enough time. You know, everybody has enough time. Whatever. Does it? No excuse there. But like, I want to like, yeah. Every Sunday at two o'clock, I have a show where we play. You know. Yeah. And uh, we just do it, and that's literally also our rehearsal time too. You yeah. Know, because it just you have to. Man, if you don't if you don't play regularly, you start to lose your skills, and you know, same with singing and and everything. But yeah, man, that's wild. I I didn't know that that was such a big big deal. I've never been a part of a huge church like that, so I don't know. I remember, I remember when I was a kid. You know, my parents we didn't grow up in church. We went to the Methodist church ever so often, um, and. Um, yeah, time for another beer, I think. It is time for another beer. I'm going to the fridge. So, right now we're in the uh, Los, Los Coyote Ranch Bar and uh, drinking Coors Original, the Yellow Bellies. We're out of Coors Original, so you're getting the last one. I'm going to have to drink this old oh. Make Ultra. Make, I need a Make Ultra. Um, well, I'll take it. Um, so, go back to what you were saying. You didn't grow up in church and... And all that. Yeah, so. didn't didn't grow up in church, but you know, at one time Travis Norman, my other best friends from growing up, got me to play. Uh, he's like, "Come play in the youth, the praise band at the Methodist Church." So I started playing and singing there, and uh, did it for a little while. Let me see if I can remember. Our, come here. A couple of praise songs here. Over the mountains and the seas Your living, your love Something runs in front of me And I will open up my heart And let the healer set me free so I'm happy to be in the truth. truth And I will gently lace my hand For I will always sing of When your love came down, down. I could sing of your love oh, that's a great forever. song. I could sing of your love forever. Yeah, so I, I remember playing I that. Know, yeah, we did, we did that song yeah. a bazillion times, man. I didn't even know you knew that. And then uh, I remember going on a, we went on a, this was a big deal. We went on, we got in the van, in the van, and church, church van, and went to Deep Ellum. Yeah. And went. To the door, which is oh, it was a Christian. We went to the door all the time. Christian yeah. c- club in Deep Ellum, and we park s- on the roof. Uh, who was this girl that we saw? She was local Dallas, and the and th- I guess very popular in the Christian. Uh, man, I can't remember what she looked like. I can't even remember that. Can't, yeah. I mean, like a hippie, like you know. Was it Ramsey Schick? Ramsey Schick. Yes. That's exactly. Oh my was. gosh, do we? She was badass. I I got to meet her and her husband, yeah. Lee, the bass player, at Guitar Center. Yeah. Christy and I would go up there for my birthday, and, and we'd spend all day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to do the same thing. Yeah. And I would just sit in there, and all we were in there just playing, and Ramsey Schick and Lee walked in, and I looked at my sister and said, "Holy crap!" And Christy yeah. was like, "You know, lights coming down out of heaven, and you right. know, oh." And um, we went over there, and she was just as cool as shit. We talked with her and Lee for, oh, man, 30 minutes. They were awesome, nice. 
So how popular did she ever get on uh, like a on a stardom scale? Like, did she have Christian albums? And yeah, yeah, she, she had some Christian albums, but she was controversial in the Christian world back then. Um, it, it's not like it is now. Like, if she, it's kind of sad. I think if she was an aspiring artist now, just getting started, I think she'd be a massive hit. Was she like Lauren Daigle and 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 uh, who's the who's the guy from Grand Saline that oh Tomlin that, that Ashley loves Chris Tomlin Chris Tomlin yeah yeah I don't like I don't like their music I I like that they're Christian and whatever but of course Chris Tomlin's music is terrible to me like I I wouldn't listen to that <laughs> I'm sorry it, yeah. it, it's just not my taste like he's a good musician he's a good singer I don't want it to seem like I you know Ashley don't res- Mona I disagree <laughs> Ashley and Mona. I like it. I think it's great. Uh, <laughs> I th- I think. But like, what's your point? My point was those cats played a generic canned Christian music that was uncool to me. Which I the reason I don't like genre, music genres like Christian or country because it makes you try to sound a different way and it puts boundaries on art and you really shouldn't put any boundaries on art. That was what, that was back to my point of Ramsey Schick at the time. She would not conform. So she had opportunities to get record deals, but she would not conform. So her music was outside of that religious yes. box. So religious people, I mean, in, there's endless money with, with churches and, and yeah, me- yeah. mega stuff. They would probably say, you have to do it, but you have to do it this way. And she said no. She would not conform. I wonder what she's doing now. I don't know. We've tried to find her. Like, I would pay $1,000 for the original live recording at the door of her first album. We had it. We had it on tape. And then we got CDs of it. We completely just wore them out. And I can't find anywhere. My sister would, too. My sister has. What if you and I, what if we were there on the same night and we didn't know it? We probably were. I bet you 100 bucks because we we didn't miss one of her shows. Oh, well, I only went to one. Yeah, we didn't miss one. And I didn't even, to be honest with you, I was naive. But I was like, we're going to Deep Ellum. I thought we were going to like a rock club. A real club. I didn't know it was a Christian place. You wouldn't know, though. Yeah. Well. There's no there's no beer being served in there, was there? No, but it was eighteen. It was oh, eight, it was eighteen. Yeah, obviously was, I was a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We went we went as sixteen, seventeen, yeah, year old kids. Like we, I wasn't thinking about beer back then. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I mean, I knew it was there, but I didn't go to drink beer. I went to watch a rock show. Yeah. So speaking of that, yeah, like like I said, like I don't, I hate when, like so and so on the country music. You know, charts. I hate listening to country music that's that's overly produced and overly country. Uh, I don't care if it's old or new, um, because they they try to throw a, a certain twang or a certain fiddle here or steel guitar there that make it, you know, crowded into the space of only country. You you, you know what it's I fake. call that? It's formulated. It's formulated. It's a formula. Right. You gotta have two bars of the steel guitar. Yeah. You gotta have an extra twang. You gotta have a girl going shake it for me up on the truck, you know? Yeah. Oh gosh, that's terrible. It is yeah. <laughs> And but you know, like you take somebody like Johnny Cash back in the day or Ryan Bingham today or Jason Isbell, these guys are true artists. They are country, but you 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 wouldn't even know. They're also rock and it's you can't even put them in a damn 
box. You know, you no, can't even you no. can't even say like Ryan Adams. You can't even say like what genre that is. Um, James McMurtry. What is he? Is he country? You know, is is he? And they could call it like, oh, it's American. I got a genre for it. It's called badass. Yeah. Like it's music that I love. It's music that I want to listen to. Yeah. Um, like. And yeah, on his on his album, he could have a song that sounds like country. The next song could be rock, and the mm-hmm. next song could be. But rock is more than a song, a guitar with distortion, you know, and drums. It's it's so much more than that, and I and. Like we were talking earlier with Guns N' Roses, with the the, the build-up, these intros, the theatrical, it's like a movie, which, you know, music videos back in the day, we were like movies, man. They were awesome. and They told a story. They told a story, and it yeah. was like watching a dance, and it was a production, man. And yeah. it, it's like, it made the songs larger than life to me, you know? Um, I remember the first, we had MTV. <laughs> My dad, I don't know if he scrambled cable, what. We had MTV. We had a satellite before anybody else had satellites when I was growing up. We had this giant satellite outside our house. It, you could lay in it. <laughs> like, this thing was... <laughs> My dad's always been into tech. He, like, uh, he's a ham radio operator. He's always had, like, CBs and stuff. We had the satellites, man. And so me and Luke had MTV when we were kids. And it was really... I can credit that with my love and my knowledge of music. And I do know a lot, more than the average bear of of stuff. And that, of course, my friends have helped me along the way. But I remember watching Billy Idol, the song, uh, man, which song, Billy? Uh, One of those major hits? Yeah. It's it, White Wedding? Not, it wasn't White Wedding. It, it wasn't Rebel Yell. It was, uh, oh, it'll come to me in a minute. But it was about, like, you know, basically the same old story. Like this hot girl, young girl was, 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 uh, you know, flirting with this this married dude and and uh, just he making him sweat, you know. And it was like it was so terrible. But um, anyway, it'll come to me in a second. I can't can't think of it right now. So I want to comment on like what you just said. Yeah. So we we talked earlier about like you there's this like line of you're a ner- band nerd band nerd band nerd band nerd. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're cool as shit. Right. Well, it's the same way with those guys. I promise you. Yeah. They all dealt with someone saying, "Oh my god, you're singing about that? You are disgusting. You're ridiculous. You are Yeah. You're not going to make nothing. You're an idiot." Yeah. And then all of a sudden they were too they were too big to even deal with that anymore. I mean, I, I, they're going to get some of it. They're going to get some hate. Yeah, they just they had the courage to push through the haters, and a lot of people don't. It, it crushes. It, 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 it crushes it, some real talent. Like I've seen some really truly yeah. talented people get told they they suck, and a lot of times you get told you suck out of someone else's jealousy, or there's a billion other reasons other yeah. than the fact that you might suck or might not suck. So that I just looked at that song was Cradle of Love. It was like Rock the Cradle of Love. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh Rock the Cradle of Love. It's the Cradle of Love. And man, I remember I was like, Man, I love this. It's so good. And uh the the video set it off. Then you had, you know, all the epic Guns N' Roses videos like Don't Cry, November Rain and all those things, and then all the Aerosmith. Alicia Silverstone. 
who's an actress. She was in Clueless, but she was in like all of these Aerosmith videos when I yeah. was a kid. She was in Amazing, um, maybe Living on the Edge. I can't. I don't know what specific songs. I know she was in Amazing, but she was in like several Aerosmith uh, music videos. And man, it, they were incredible, especially young teenage. How Steven Tyler could produce something so yeah. pretty as her still baffles me to this day because he's an ugly motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he definitely is. <laughs> he, uh, well, Liv, no, you're, think, you're thinking of his daughter, Liv Tyler. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, yeah, that's true. I'm talking, yeah, I'm yeah, talking yeah, Alicia, yeah, 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 Alicia yeah, Silverstone. Yeah. I don't even think they were dating. She no, was just she in the was video. Just, that's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, you're talking I'm about Liv yeah. Tyler. But I'm still, yeah. she was hot. Like, she, how oh, did he was, produce was, that? Yeah, she was in Armageddon. Yeah. I mean, but, you know. Steven Tyler has woman features. You know, his, his lips are huge. He's probably a tall guy. Never met him, but remember ce- Celebrity Death Deathmatch with mm-hmm. it was him versus uh, Mick Jagger. Mm-hmm. Mick Jagger, Mick Jagger yeah. <laughs> ended up beating the shit out of him with a microphone yeah. stand. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think Mick Jagger would still take in today. I think so too. Even though Mick's Mick's seventy eight, he can't be killed. Seventy eight or something. He's old. He's a high seventies. But he's still in shape, way more in shape than Steven probably is. Yeah. But, you know, you ever see the Howard Stern birthday show? Yeah. Steven Tyler performs Dream On, which yeah. is my, one of my tops. That's a great song. Sweet Emotion or Dream yeah. On. But he performs Dream On on the piano, and he's just, he's this way he's singing. I mean, he's just so good. And uh, Slash comes out and plays the, the end with him, and uh, it was it's awesome. But I love Aerosmith. God, I love Aerosmith, too. Yeah. I can, so I had the, the, I had the tape too, but big ones. It was like an Aerosmith greatest hits, and it had all those songs. It didn't have Dream On or Sweet Emotion. That was on the 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 red greatest hits album, the first one. But the big ones had what it takes. There goes my old girlfriend. There's a, another diamond ring, and uh, amazing and living on the edge and God. I can just every note. I know every note of those songs. So like when I learn these these guitar chords, how many guitar chords are there? The the regular ones. I don't know. There's not that many regular. Like just, ten or twelve. Yeah, yeah. So if you know ten or twelve guitar chords, and you know these songs by heart, it, I always found it easy. I can just like if you named a song right now that I knew, like one of those Aerosmith songs. I can pick up this guitar right now mm-hmm. and play. Yeah. Whatever song that is. Just based on my memory and based on my ear. That's called talent. That's yeah. the to me. That's the true definition of talent. Your average Joe, even though they might be educated on the guitar, they can't do that. They are lacking yeah. that God-given talent and ability. And that's why they call me the human jukebox. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. I know. I've witnessed so, it. So. That's the reason I can play. I'm a great bar singer because I can play any song and I can remember a lot of the lyrics. Um, not the, you know, I'm not the best singer. I'm not the definitely not the best guitar player. I can't play really well, but I can keep a really good beat. And I can, I've just, I listened to music so much growing up and still do to this day at CrossFit. You know, we listen to music 24 yeah, hours, yeah. you know, all day long. I listen to music. So, like, I learn these songs by heart and then I can replicate them. I don't care what it is. I mean, hell, Taylor Swift or Britney Spears, I can still play whatever 
you know, pretty, pretty spot on. And that's the cool thing about it. Just when you, I mean, I want every kid to learn an instrument or whatever, because you, I can't explain how many doors just playing guitar in front of people have, have opened for me. Main, main is reason is, is how I got Ashley Dean to be my wife. Really? I wooed her with this guitar. Oh, I, 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 same way with Don. Yeah. Like Don just melted. She, yeah, dude, there was, I had to, <laughs> you know, had to get a towel and throw it on the floor under. Oh, <laughs> come on, man. There might be kids listening to this, Murphy. Oh, I, I forgot we are joined by our ranch manager, Murphy Dean. He is asleep on the couch. <gasps> Murphy, you're not supposed to be on the couch. Mama's in Florida right now, so. Uh, but Murph's on the couch asleep, and he doesn't want to be uh, messed with. But Murphy's our, our stray dog. Ranch manager. He's been doing a good job out here. Um, yeah, it, and I think I'm going to, at one point, do a like a, an adult guitar class where I teach three chords, just like we were doing with John McKeon the other night. Yeah. Teach them three chords and then say, okay, here's the songs we can play with that. We can play Knocking on Heaven's Door. That was the biggest gap with uh, music lessons, I think, is you learn the, the, the chords, but you never learn the application. You never learn how to apply to, to that. So these, these are like three chords, G, D, and that C. But it, on this, you play A minor too, so it's really four, but. There's a, plenty of songs that have these same chords, but. Mama, take this badge for me. I can't use it anymore. It's getting dark, too dark to see. I feel I'm knocking on heaven's door. Knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. But, you know, you learn to put your fingers in those places and then learn kind of the beat of the song. And then if you know the words and you don't have to read them every time, you can play a shitload of songs. Oh, yeah, yeah. A lot of songs are three chords. You mm -hmm. know, some songs are two chords. And, like, man, you can... <laughs> that's just, it's, it's incredible. So, like, back to me and Don, like, a buddy of mine was actually talking to Don on the phone. Mm -hmm. They were just friends, but he knew I liked her. So we, he set it up to where I was in the background playing my guitar. I was playing tonic, if you could only see. Do you remember if that you guitar? Could only yeah, yeah. See, see, a minor. C. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I tore I tore that song up and and like immediately her her interest was piqued. She ends up showing her interest. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Her interest was like yeah. all right. So the next the next church service in at Athens, 
she shows up. Of course she does. And yeah. I'm, you know, leading praise and worship. And afterwards, she's like, hey, uh, you need some help putting up all that gear? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, was, yeah, that'd be great. Mm-hmm. So she stayed in there, and we rolled up chords and put my guitar and stuff up. And we thought we ended up going out and hang, you know, eating pizza and, and hanging out and become really good friends. And then, the re- you know, the rest is history. But you get married eventually, yeah. Yeah, eventually, yeah. There was a, I don't even know if I can play this now, but I remember when, when that night I met Ashley, I remember played a bunch of, you know, probably played, I probably played Brown Eyed Girl. Yeah. You know, because that was one of my go-tos, you know. And like, if I'm trying to sing like Van Morrison, you like, hey, where did we go? This when the rains came And then it's like With you My brown eyed girl You my Brown eyed girl But when we were there On the radio was this song By this band called Lone Stars It's it's not a great song Now that I think about it But at the time <laughs> It was like Every time I rise me, this feeling inside oh yeah, yeah. Is almost more than I notice, notice the chords there. Same chords. Same yeah. exact chords. Maybe when you touch me, I can feel how much you love me. And it just blows me away. So that brings me to an interesting point about music. So you just illustrated a, a, a great point that so many songs are the same chords. Mm-hmm. So what makes a song a hit and what makes another song not a hit? I think a lot of it has to do with the artist's confidence behind the song. Like I've wrote songs before that no one has ever heard because I was too chicken shit to play them yes. or to ever let anyone hear them. They could have been... I'm not. I'm not saying they would have been. They probably yeah. wouldn't have been. They probably been terrible. No one would ever bought one copy. My mom probably wouldn't even buy a copy of it. But they could have been yeah. the next big hit if I could have had enough confidence or balls to put that out there. To put it out there. Yeah. So that's what I'm working on now. That's the next phase yeah. of Dan Morrow's music is just putting my stuff, putting myself out there. Yeah, because you have to. Most most artists, their first album that does well or whatever they get. They've been playing those songs for oh, yeah. ten years, yeah, yeah. and tr- pushing them on people, yep. and pushing them on people. And really, you know, there's studies like I don't care how shitty a song is, you hear it enough times, like, and and if you associate it with a, like we heard an album played over and over that sucked, but mm-hmm. we heard it at a time we were at church camp, we were ha- we were chasing girls, we were riding go karts, sliding down water slides. That album become a a source of fun. Like when I heard it, it reminded me of the fun times I had. Yeah. I then loved it, and I've heard other songs like that Which too. Is one of the reasons record companies buys radio time, yeah, for songs just to saturate. And, uh, yeah, no, you're you're saying I just forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> it happens, you know. The hook, yeah, the hook, cause the hook will bring you. Yeah, back. blues traveler. Yeah, so I didn't know Howard Stern was talking about that the other day. That song. I thought it was the heart brings you back. He's <laughs> talking about the hook brings you back. Yeah. 
on that song. And it's not about, Captain Hook. But Blues Traveler. No, it's not Captain Hook. But he's talking. But about he does bring up Peter Pan. In that song? Yeah, yeah. that's the irony of it. What's he saying? Uh, the pan refused to grow. Doesn't matter what I say. He's like, he's like, doesn't matter what I say. Yeah. Hey, hey. As long as I do. The hook brings you back. Yeah. Because most hit songs have a hook where you can sing along to it immediately, right? There's that, no that's what the that's what the people want. Very few songs, uh, and, and it, sometimes instrument sounds can be a hook, but a lot of times, like people want to sing along, you know. And a lot of true artists, they're embarrassed if they do like a song with a hook, that, with a, that's commercial with a hook, you know. No, that's that's exactly right. And people know, for, like you were talking about with country, people know formulas, like these record executives, like. Record executives are usually untalented shitheads that couldn't make yeah, it. Yeah, but they're business people. They are. You know, like, who, who was that fat guy that uh, that uh, like created like Backstreet Boys and NSYNC, you know, that yeah. guy? Yeah. Uh, you know, like, put the bands together. Britney Spears, all of those people. He had a formula. He had a formula, and yeah. he had like these, I don't know how he got these songwriters He's together. not the first formula guy, though. The first no, 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 formula no, yeah. people, really and truthfully, was the 80s metal movement. That was the first like hardcore formula. You got to have a ballad. <laughs> yeah. And then oh, you, no doubt. And then you got to have X, Y, and Z on the album. And if you do, you're a success. Yeah. And you got to dress the part. Put on some freaking, you know, <laughs> tights, leotards with cowboy boots. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And then be a jacket. wild, be a wild ass crazy person on film. Yeah. Um. You're right. Every rock. You know, the album had a ballad. That worked like gangbusters until the song you've played first hit. Yeah, Nirvana. Yeah. And it was... It, I, I listened to a, an interview about that, and I think it was with... Um, who was that? Pantera? No. One of the most popular 80s metal groups ever. They had, like, in their record studio, like, their... their they had records all over the walls. Mm -hmm. the, the day all that stuff come out, they come out and they were pulling all their stuff off the wall and they were getting ready for the alt movement. Yeah, which Pearl Jam, Stone Temple Pilots, Nirvana. Chris Cornell, yeah. and Soundgarden. And Guns N' Roses kind of spanned, somehow spanned both of those. Because they, they weren't a formula band. They were They were considered hair metal, but they were also considered a different era. They weren't necessarily grunge either, but they... It wasn't as produced as Poison or White Snake, or you know even Poison, Bon Jovi. White Snake, but um, Bon Jovi was so yeah. good that they're still putting out albums and selling yeah. selling out stadiums. Um, but they 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 weren't that formula band like. Yeah. You know, they stood the test of time. Mm -hmm. But yeah, no, the yeah the grunge scene came on, which was like, it was like, some in some cases. Like the guitar playing was no wasn't very good, you know. It was like, which was great for me because I was learning these songs and they were easy, and they weren't like they weren't crazy. They weren't ripping up solos like crazy that I couldn't do, you know. And they weren't shredding. They weren't shredding. They were no. just hitting bar chords and distortion, distortion pedal. <laughs> yeah, the one yeah. thing I had, yeah. you know, and uh, they were so rebellious in the way they were written. That's what attached to me was the rebellion of the alt movement that's mm -hmm. why i'm i mean 
the first time my dad heard Nirvana, he was like, absolutely not. You are not listening to that, you know? It was so... Yeah. Yeah, it was so out of control, different. My dad couldn't handle it. He's like, next thing I know, you're going to be wearing your hat backwards. Yeah. And <laughs> God help us. Take... <laughs> Holy crap. Yeah. And that's what, I mean, I, that's what happened. Like, I was I was hooked. Yeah. Christy and I would watch TV with the volume off, and we would just have the radio going. Yeah. That's that's why we did it. Yeah. Unless we were watching MTV. But, you know, Alice in Chains. Yeah. Like the coldest winter one of, one of the songs that sticks in my memory was Bush's Come Down. Oh, dude. That bass line in that song, I can remember, like, I would turn that up, and I would drive into the church parking lot, and I would drive differently when that song would come on because it made oh, me feel cooler. Just the song. Yeah. You talking about this one? Yeah, yeah, let's hear it. Your own. She cuts me right back down to size Sleep the day, let it fade Who's there to take your place? No one knows, never will Most let me, most let you Do you say, do you do When it all comes down Cause I don't wanna come back down from this cloud It's taken me all this time to find out what I need, yeah Cause I don't wanna come back down from this cloud It's taken me all this time complain the more I come the more I try all your leaves have a night so am <laughs> I so's the future so have you been creature do you say do you do when it all comes down cause I don't wanna come back down from this cloud Stick Sixteen Stone I had that tape again. Sixteen Stone, man, was dude, it so was a many. staple. Yeah, dude, Machine Head. Yeah, what is that? 
I remember this video coming out on the motorcycle going through town. Like, it was so freaking cool. I was like, <laughs> I remember being in my. I had a treehouse that, you know, was on top of a tree. It was boards on a tree. It was plywood on a couple of branches. <laughs> so it was basically it was a sheet of plywood. Stuck up in a tree. And we just lay on it. And me and Jason Shari are up there, and we're listening to a Walkman. We're listening to 16 Stone. Oh, man. <laughs> and I had some black and milds up there. <laughs> some cigars. Swisher Sweet. They weren't black and milds. Swisher Sweets. And I'd smoke some of those, listen to 16 Stone. And, you know, Glycerine, I, we played that. Every band I ever had played that. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. You know, a lot of those songs. Everything Zen was one of my. I can play every damn song on that album. But... And then, actually, the first, my first band. Um, of course, I had a couple of, you know, fun bands. But in high school, the the main one was called Mr. Brown. Cause our principal was Mr. Brown. Uh, this was his name, Mr. Brown. And anyway. Um, it's kind of a weird dude. So we named it after him just to, I guess, be stupid. And, uh, we call Little Things off that album. Yeah, yeah. It was really... I had a Epiphone Les, I had a Epiphone Les Paul, and I had a Line 6 amp that, you know, my parents had got me, uh, which was my first real electric guitar first real amp and had two twelves in it and we played at junior high on stage and one day during school during like lunch like mr callahan max callahan one of my favorite people of all time let us play and dude it at that point it changed i became pretty popular i mean mm-hmm, I, I think mm-hmm. popular but and you know i probably wasn't singing as loud like i can sing loud now and i used to didn't have the confidence built up yet but we played little things it was me and jace Gutierrez, travis norman tyler neal and uh yeah i think and uh and then i made up a solo to that i mean i was like I would just keep playing, and it was really awesome. And uh, <laughs> I shut your mouth. But all those songs, like there's only a few of those I really know the words to. It was always oh, just like, but Bush's lyrics are just yeah, out of control yeah. too. Just assuming what the words were. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, you know, if you just sounded like like once again like a Japanese guy at the karaoke, like doesn't really know English, but he's yeah. knows the sound of it. Um, but yeah, that was. I mean, it was great. It's unheard of for like people like, oh, you're gonna play in a band, you know? With the, you know, Canton, sure, like like Martin's Mill, or you know, it's like, it's like a Footloose, you know? Like you you played, you listened to music. Hey, I I can remember a day where, if you played rock music, there was no if ands or buts. You were going to hell. <laughs> like I I, yeah. I mean, that was the cultural christian thing at the time there was no there was no place for it which was a total bullshit lie oh absolutely and and 
it really was a not only a lie, but it was it was counterproductive for them because it just pushed everybody pushed further, them further into yeah. it. Like I was so pushed far, them away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know if you've ever seen this. Whoever the whoever wrote the Bible version, uh, what's it called? The Message. Yeah, the, the Message translation. The translation that that author. There's an interview with Bono and this guy. I love and, Bono, man. And it's recently it's it's what got me going to church again. I've I you sent it to me. I listened to it. And because he Bono says he's like, you don't think God wants you to make beautiful music? You don't think He wants you to talk about you know divorce and heartache and love? He thinks you do. You only want to make music that says I love God. I love you know over and over again. That's basically like a chant. Or does He want you to make art? Like He don't He wants you to be an artist. You know, and that's real life, you know, and so all music's Christian music in my in my mind, you know. And anyway, that's I, I just love that. Uh, I love that too. Like, I yeah, all those influences we just talked about have molded um, my my music. It, into something that I'm really proud of, you know, like mm-hmm. I, I thank God I grew up in the era that I did to be, you know, I, I almost take pride in that. Like, I'm like, other people didn't get to experience the grunge of the nineties. Yeah. The nineties oh, yeah. alt, you know, Christine, I've made a, a name, a small name for our brother, sister mm-hmm. covering the nineties, all stuff. No one around here plays that crap. Yeah. Cause they all play country and Western uh, or Western. Yes. Right. <laughs> But yeah. we we started covering that and like you know no one's gonna want to hear this, but we're gonna give it a shot. And man, everybody wants yeah, to. Yeah, everybody it. wanted to hear it. I want to hear it. Well, first time I saw y'all play was out at Mill Creek. Yeah, when yeah. I first met you, and um, or maybe it was Don. I don't know. Ashley and I went out there, and I was like, I loved y'all's music, man. I was blown away. I was so then I was trying to get in the band after that, and uh, yeah, I mean. And you you want to hear this stuff? Everybody wants to hear this stuff from when they were kids. When they yeah, were, when they yeah. There's a nostalgia there. Because when you're going through puberty and you're like thinking about girls or you know love, whatever, you have a crush on somebody. You know, you you live these songs, man, and you you're just it's really close to you, you know. Yeah. And now you know stuff I'm into now, like James McMurtry's songs about life and being older and and. Uh, those are appealing to me, you know. Like Absolutely. The the messages. Uh, what makes a song great to you, Sam? What? Give me three aspects that that the song has to have to be a great song to you. Oh well, I don't know if I can break it down like that. I, it it has to tell, it has to tell the story, you know. It, it, I like, I don't, you know, like. Hell, I I like all kinds of songs, so I can't I can't put it into a. a can't box it in but i don't know great great music great lyrics and energy like you were saying like sometimes you can tell somebody's putting like their heart and soul into a performance whether it's on an album or not like when somebody's really feeling it and i know like i've written songs before and just like you you know chicken shit like i'm like i don't know if it's good but like 
have I really performed the hell out of them? No, I never have. I haven't really performed them once. The only time is when I wrote it and then, you know, over and over again, you know, playing them. And then I get, I'm like, well, nobody wants to hear these. Let me go back to playing what everybody wants to hear. And, you know, it's, it's a, it's a regret of my life to not sit there every day and, and work on my own mo- songs and, and instead of playing somebody else's. But I, I'm just such a huge fan of other people's stuff that I, I like to play that, you know, and I, I like it, you know. Um, and life gets in the way, man. You, you know, you grow up, you go to college, you know, I went to the Army, and then you got an, a day job and uh, you got to yeah, do got, that. You got commitments and obligations. And then you get back and, of course... You know, otherwise we'd all be rock stars, you know. But, you know, it's and it's strange, you know, with today with the coronavirus going on, like, are, is there ever going to be a damn concert again, you know, in the in a in a stadium? I've got tickets to Guns N' Roses in, in August. Um, Shit ain't probably going to happen. It probably ain't going to happen. Oh, we had tickets to four or five concerts this year. Yeah. Um, my daughter's Christmas present was t- great tickets to the Lumineers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it got canceled. Yeah. You know? Crazy times. Oh, where, oh, where can my baby be? Lord, to go with me. She's going to heaven, so I got to be good. So I can see my baby. I couldn't stop, so I swerved to the right. I'll never forget the sound that night. The screaming tires, the busted glass, the painful scream that I heard last. Oh, where, oh, where could my baby be? The Lord took her away from me. She's gone to heaven, so I can't. I can see my baby when I leave this world. Yeah, so Pearl Jam redid that one. That was That's what made that song famous to me. Yeah. Yeah, I'd heard the original. Who sang that originally? Do I uh, from the sixties or something. But I don't I don't yeah, I don't remember. But that yeah, I mean that was just a yeah, in those same times we we've, we've been talking about in the nineties or the early 2000s when they came out with that single Last Kiss I I think back to what we were talking about earlier is what makes a song great I think it has to have an emotional connection most importantly yeah makes sense because I've had songs that don't compute mentally as far as the skill level or the hook Mm -hmm. or the melody but yet, they connect to me so much emotionally. I love them. Um, and it could be, and it might not even be just the song. It could be the circumstances of where I heard the song and when I listened to the song the first time. It could be the people I listened to it with, or it could be what I was doing when I listened to that song for the first time. But that's the beauty of music and art. It's it's something, I think, that keeps man connected with fellow man that creates a great relationship. 
Mm-hmm. Like I think that's the beauty of music. It it helps kindle that connection and that friendship more than you could ever get without it. Yeah. Hey, talk about like the Beatles and and Rolling Stones, which music was kind of like super conservative. Yeah. Yeah. Until the Beatles. Beatles. And they were talking about, I want to hold your hand. People, I want to hold you know, your and, and hand. One of my favorite movies, <laughs> The Legend of Dewey Cox, Walt Hardy, he's like, hand holding? You know, what's next? You know? Yeah. You know who likes hand holding? Yeah. The devil. The devil likes to hold them hands. You yeah. know, or whatever his dad says. Yeah. <laughs> I want to hold your hand. And then you have the Rolling Stones, which I love. Seen them live. My this mo- so, the, the dirtiest? My mom loves Rolling Stones. Oh, She's seen them live. Yeah. They, I mean, and they're putting out albums in the 70s with F word in there. But you didn't know that. You didn't know that those... The lyrics were explicit, and there and there was, you know, talking about sex and drugs. But but it's the Rolling Stones. It's okay, you know. And then, you know, Prince, my favorite, Prince, comes out in 1984 with Purple Rain. He has a song there called "Darling Nikki," and he's, which is one of my, f- it it yeah. could be my most favorite Prince song ever. And has the line in there, masturbating. She was masturbating with the magazine. Yeah. And Tipper Gore, who. Was a, <laughs> I guess I guess Al Gore yeah. Al Gore's wife was on some committee, and she started putting the explicit lyrics content on the CDs, and that Purple Rain was the first album to have which completely goes along content, with my point earlier yeah, explicit content yeah that made them sell even more yep yep it completely backfired right in her dumbass face <laughs> Prince had it on there and uh, yeah I mean. But, you know, like you listen to a song and some songs are, of course, at the gym, we play all edited. We don't want to have cuss words there, which yeah. I, you know, not everybody likes cuss words and and I don't really particularly like them myself or my son to hear them, which is the reason we, we, we uh, censor the music. Uh, and that's probably what, you know, what they were trying to do, but. You know, art is art also, so, like, I don't, sometimes I'm like, well, let me hear the real version. What does it say, you know? And there's emotion. You talk about emotions. If you're listening to the edited version, there's not as much emotion as you hear the full cuss word, you know, or or the... uh, No, it could be because it's a watered-down version. It's a watered-down version, exactly. It is. Yeah. So what was the first concert you ever went to? Other than we're not talking Christian artists. Yeah, concerts. I think the first secular concert I went to was Coldplay. Coldplay, really? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, it was at the Smirnoff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which used to be Coca-Cola Starplex. It was the Starplex back then. Used then it went to Smirnoff. Then yep. it went to Verizon. Then yep. it went to Dosecchi's. Now it's back to. It was the Jexa too. Wasn't the Jexa Energy yeah. Pavilion. I think that's what it is now. But it it's that's in Fair Park in Dallas. Uh, right off I-30. That was where I saw my first concert as well. My first concert, it was three people. It was, um, or maybe it was two people. It was the Toadies opening for the Wallflowers. Toadies are banned from, from Dallas. Go ahead. Get banned from <laughs> Dallas. And, you know, it was cool for me. I heard, like, the one of the members of the Toadies was an Eagle Scout. And I, was, I was a Boy Scout, Eagle Scout. And yeah, Tyler. 
We always play that. Yeah, play it. And she runs through her days with a smile on her face. And she runs and she waits. And I version of that on youtube is by it them yeah it's incredible yeah so two days ago i drank a toadie's bach they have like their own beer yeah uh anyway it, it's good but yeah the toadies man that and they had a song called possum kingdom mm-hmm. do you wanna die you know and uh which is you know it's kind of a crazy song uh, they're a crazy group and i went to boy scout camp on at Camp Constantine on Possum Kingdom Lake, and I remember just like being into the Toadies so much. And I went to that first concert. Uh, I was probably f- uh, eighth grade or freshman in high school. And the Wallflowers, huh. and it's Jacob Dylan. Yeah. And man, dude, one headlight, Sixth Avenue heartache. Man, let me mm. just let me let me get a couple of straws. Yeah, you you there. gotta get you gotta get some of that in there. Let me do. Dude, these this. So Michael, Michael Sproul, Patrick's little brother, we'd go up in his attic and play on the pool table, and he'd put that uh, tearing down the horse, bringing down the horse, bringing down the horse, which is a Wallflowers yeah. album, and it had one headlight. But that, to this day, there's not a better beer drinking album. And actually, when the podcast is over, we're gonna turn that album on, and because uh, I don't think we're legally allowed to play the music on the podcast. No. Yeah. Mm-mm. So we have to play it live, which is hell. It's even better. Uh, let's see. We'll play Sixth Avenue Heartache right here, which is like probably my favorite one. Sirens ring, the shots ring out. Stranger cries, screams out loud In my world, strapped against my back In my head, never knew how to act The same white line that was drawn on you Was drawn on me, yeah, it's drawn me in Sixth Avenue Hardy. Hey. Great, yeah, great was, song, man. And then 
my band at my band at West Point called uh, Mr. Uh, God, what was it called? The Smokes, not the Strokes, <laughs> but the Smokes, because a lot of us smoked cool, uh, cool menthol cigarettes. But anyway, the Smokes. So this was a good. One. We always opened up with this. Yeah. What a good tune, man. He ain't kidding, man. This is timeless music. Like, this music right here yeah. is never going to go out of style. So long ago, I don't remember when. That's when they say I lost my only friend. He said she died easy of a broken heart disease. As I listened to the cemetery trees. And of course, it's like. try a little cause nothing is forever there's got to be something better than in the middle <laughs> yeah I messed it up got to be something better 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 I think it was the G it's A it's got to be something better than in the middle cause me and Cinderella we put it all together we can drive it home Great tune. So I was telling this story in, in CrossFit the other day, but I was at West Point in Poughkeepsie, New York. The Wallflowers came, or maybe it was Jacob Dylan solo, but I think it was the Wallflowers. They came to Poughkeepsie, which is a town north of West Point, small small town in New York, upstate New York. And uh, the venue is small. It's like a place in Deep Ellum, you know. And I'm right on the front, dude. And there's not a lot of people in there. Jacob Dylan's drunk. And... I think he's uh, playing Josephine, which is. Let me see if I can do that. And this is uh, this is this right here is an example of of what I can do when I like I haven't played this song in twenty years, but I feel pretty. Uh, let's see if I can do it. I feel pretty good. I feel alright And I've been thinking maybe I should spend the night I know I'll love I know you've been sad I know I've been bad And if you let me make you a ribbon in a paper bag Josephine, you're so good to me, and I know it ain't easy, Josephine, you're so sweet, you must taste just like sugar, and tangerine. Oh yeah, uh, dude, I, that, that, brings, that brings me back, man. <laughs> That's that right there is like an example of, I know the song by heart, so I can just pick it up. I haven't played that, in t like I hadn't actually played that in twenty years. Maybe I've never played it. So that story in Poughkeepsie, he's drunk on the stage. He forgets the lyrics, and he goes, "Does anybody know these lyrics?" And I'm there. However, 
I'm also drunk, and I can't think of them either. <laughs> and, like, I can bring them up right now. Right, yeah, because you're not drunk. I'm not, yeah, but, and I'm like, shit, man, I almost got on stage with Jacob Dylan. Because I could, I was right there. I mean, and he was asking for help, you know, and, uh, <laughs> but, man, they, they, I mean, so they had that first album, it was great, and then the, the, I think Rebel Sweetheart was their second album where they had the, uh, Dreamwalker or sleep sleepwalker sleepwalker don't be shy open your eyes tonight I just love him I mean he's it's Bob Dylan's son how, how would the you like to be Bob Dylan's son man like oh, dude, dude well, the, the shoes to walk in yeah well yeah but he he's still you know somehow was very successful yeah, yeah absolutely you know I mean more successful than than most I mean. It, but yeah, no, he. But he's incredible. I, yeah. you know, I'd rather listen to Jacob Dylan than Bob Dylan. Pers- oh, absolutely. Personally. He's way better vocalist. Of course, people out there listening are probably like, oh, they're cringing. Oh you my know. god! And I love Bob Dylan too. I I don't care for Who's, Bob Dylan. Bob man. Dylan's still still touring, by the way. But I don't care for his style, shit, man. I mean, of course, I love his like yeah. the the songs he's written. I just, I'd much rather hear we, someone else sing. We them, played "Knocking on Heaven's Door" yeah. earlier, but see. Once upon a time, a dress so fine. Then it come a time in your prime. And then you. You used to laugh about everybody that was hanging out. And you don't talk so loud. Everything you could steal How does it feel? How does it feel? To be at our home To the great unknown Like a rolling stone I wish I could play the harmonica. I know you can play it. I wish I could play it like that, though. You know, the harmonica's not that hard of an instrument. It's like any other instrument. You just got to spend a little time doing it. Got to practice. Yep, got to practice, man. Is the downfall of everybody that says they wish they could do something mm-hmm. they just don't have. They just don't practice. They don't practice, and they don't have the desire to practice, even though they talk a big game. People are like, man, I wish I could get in shape. Well, you don't ever exercise. Or I wish I could sing. What? Well, do you ever practice? I wish I could play the guitar. Do you ever practice? I personally wish I could play solos on the guitar, but I never practice. <laughs> All <of> these years. <laughs> yeah. There was nothing more that I w- want to just like kick out a badass guitar solo and like kick my leg up in the air and just start shredding, like lean on the back of somebody and play like yeah, Bruce Springsteen yeah. or Prince. But I never practice it. So I can't do it. Just like in CrossFit in the gym, when somebody's like, "Oh, I want to do a pull-up," I was like, "Well, when's the last time you've practiced a pull-up or a ring row or or a, a, a double under a pull-up with a band?" You know, it's like, "Well, I don't know." It's like, "Okay, well, gotta practice." 
Gotta practice. And to be honest, practice is what it's a pain in the ass at the time, but it's what makes it's what makes the mundane life fun. Mm-hmm. Practicing something sucks at the time, but you know, within a week of practicing, you're actually more fulfilled and happier because you spent some time being constructive. And you've created a skill. You created a skill that you're proud of. Yeah. I want to ask you something. So, when when did you get into uh, construction? I was born into construction, man. Um, I was on a construction crew at a very young age. Like, I'd ride in the equipment with my dad when I was five, six years old. I'd stand all day long in the corner of a motor grader with my yeah. dad. Be cutting roads in. So, Morrow Construction, what do you guys do? We build, um, well, we do civil site construction, so we do infrastructure. We do excavation, uh, utilities, um, everything except for buildings. We don't do buildings. We do all the site work before. So all the stuff that goes in before a building can be built, We that's what we handle. Yeah. Yeah. You, I've always I've asked you this before, but, like, if I wanted to build a road, mm-hmm. if I had just – a grass pasture and I want to build a road through it. What's the best way to build a road? Well, I guess uh, the the biggest question I I normally ask is what do you want traveling down the road? Do you want to drive a golf cart down the road twice a year or do you want to be able to drive concrete trucks in to build your house at the end of the road? Yeah. Well, like if you wanted to build a driveway yourself, yeah. what would you do? I would, um, I'd take a look at the soil I got. Mm-hmm. And then I'd build a road that would, you know, work on the type of soil I've got. If I got a heavy, fat clay, mm-hmm. um, I'd design a road to handle that. If I had sand, I'd design a road around that sand. Um, but that's that's the most important aspect is find out what you got and then build a road to, that, that'll work in that. And then say you have sand, you, you take the top soil off. Yeah, cut you cut any road. You're gonna cut the topsoil off. Take the topsoil off. You're gonna put f- it in a pile on the side. Put it over on the side. Do whatever you want yep. with it. Yeah. Then you're gonna you're gonna design a drainage system. Mm-hmm. That's the after getting the topsoil off. That's the next most important. You want the water to run away from your road. You don't want it traveling down the road. Mm-hmm. You don't want it traveling down the edges of the road. You want it traveling in a ditch, ten feet away on each side, or under the road through a culvert or in a drainage system somehow or another got to get that drainage done next once you get that drainage done then you build the subgrade get the road up to the elevation and it, and you make a nice profile you want the road to be so after you take the topsoil off you got to bring it back to the same elevation as everything else or higher or higher with the subgrade yeah. Nor- normally if you if you're out in the country you'll just cut ditches down the side you'll take the dirt out of the ditches you'll pile it up in the middle compact it water it build it up high enough to where it sheds the water into the ditches you cut. So it's a balance mm-hmm. cut. You're cutting and you're filling with the same dirt. It's the most economical way. Once you get that done, get it compacted good, then you'll put your base course down, which could be crushed concrete, crushed uh, limestone, crushed asphalt, whatever you want, but typically you want it six inches thick, mm-hmm. minimal. Get that put in, then you'll take the dirt, six inches, mm-hmm. you'll take the dirt, uh, the topsoil, you'll put back over the ditches, and you'll shoulder it up level with that base course. If you put your shoulder up and then you put base course on top, 
So you have a six-inch shelf, right? So when the water sheds off your natural crowned road, it's going to hit that mm-hmm. s- that six-inch drop, and it's going to pick up a lot of velocity. It's going to undermine the edge of the road. So you want your backfill to be up nice and even, and you want a gentle slope for it to all go down to the ditch. Okay. Right? That's that's going to be a, a, what I would call a temporary road. Those are great roads. They're ranch roads. They use them all the time, but they're perpetual maintenance. Like – you're going to run a motor grader up and down that thing at least once a year. You're going to add base rock because it's going to dry out in the summer. The fines are going to be dust and blow away. And in the wintertime, the fines are going to turn to mud and wash away. So then you're going to end up eventually with thinner than six inches, and you're going to have either big loose rocks because there's no fines left um, and potholes and all the other things that go along with it. So if you want to build a permanent road, then you're looking at doing some kind of all-weather topping. And there's – there's a couple different options. You could do a chip seal, which is the most economic, but it's hard to get now. A lot of guys are not doing the chip seal anymore. So asphalt. Mm-hmm. And you would put you would put down some prime on top of that base rock. You prep it real good. It's a process. You can't just put you can't just grade rock smooth and just dump it on top of it. You gotta compact it, then you gotta Grade it off, and then and then you got to create a, a smooth finish to where it's not got a lot of divots and stuff in it, and then you pave on top of that. I see. Or you could just not do the base rock and go straight concrete, which is l- what a lot of people are doing now. Because on a uh, engineering des- design perspective, mm-hmm. asphalt's a 15-year designed pavement life. Concrete, man, is like a 30-year. So, yeah. and the costs are so close now. That that's why no, concrete's so prevalent. popular. Yep. And used to you got a tax break in Vincent County if you had asphalt. They didn't tax it mm-hmm. as a permanent structure. Well, now they do. So. Yeah, they really. I don't. That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the whole tax appraisal yeah. district. Man. I hate property tax. Well. You said it all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no doubt. Let's wrap it up. No uh, doubt. No doubt. I'm going to have Dan Morrow back on in the future, and we're going to talk more about construction. But we covered quite a bit of music. and I think we covered something we're both passionate about. Yeah. You know, and we've got a hell of a lot more. I didn't even talk about meeting Axl Rose or oh, man. all of those stories or any of our shows that we played. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we'll, we'll cover that next time. Uh, thanks for tuning in. We love you, and continue to... Uh, buy Van Zant coffee and check out Morrow Construction if you need any type of foundation uh, pads, roads or anything like that built. If you want to get healthy, come to CrossFit. Yeah, CrossFit. It changed my life. CrossFit Do it. Van Zant. What are you waiting we're, on? We're not as crazy as you think we are. It's not a cult, I promise. Uh it's a little bit of cult. I guess it is a little uh, bit. It's a good cult though. It's a good cult. Uh All right, we love you. Thanks for listening to my very first podcast. And uh, I guess tune into the next one. Hey, y'all, you guys have a good night. Dan and I are about to turn on some wallflowers and drink some more Coors Original. <laughs> bye bye. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by my coffee company, Van Zant Coffee. Uh, I founded it in 2016 when I was looking for a coffee that was so damn good you can drink it black. We sell it all over, but primarily VanZantCoffee.com. If you love coffee, you will love Van Zant Coffee. So go to VanZantCoffee.com, place your order. We have free shipping for orders over $50.
Also, if you'd like to sponsor this podcast, please reach out to me, Sam, at vzfit.com or give me a call or hit, hit me up on Messenger on Facebook or on Instagram. Thank you guys for listening and have a great day. Bye-bye.